Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. So this morning, we're going to talk about three things that I learned from Jesus' parents. And so before we get into it, why don't we pray? Father, um, I know that you're here. I know that you you desire to speak. And so, Lord, I pray that um, you would just use me, that the words that come out are from you, and that, God, this message would be communicated in uh, just an effective way that would penetrate the hearts of many. Lord, we love you, and um, we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we get into points, I just want to talk about um, Mary for a little bit. And I think that um, Mary in the Christian realm is sometimes, (laughs) we don't talk about her much because the Catholic Church has exalted her so much. You know, there's been so much exaltation of of who Mary was that sometimes we kind of say like, all right, well, you know, we, not that we downplay her, but we don't really talk about her much. And I think that that's wrong because she was an incredible young woman and we could learn so much from her life. Jesus, uh, she and Joseph played a key role in the life of Jesus. And I think that sometimes we, you know, maybe it's just me. So if you're not in this category, excuse, you're excused. But I know for me, I think about Jesus often as baby Jesus born on Christmas and Jesus when he entered his ministry, right? But there was a gap of 30 years that we don't talk about and we don't have much information about. But I feel like we could learn things through Mary just based on what we have, Mary and Joseph and Jesus based on what we have. You know, when Jesus was born, he didn't, you know, come out of the womb saying, thus saith the Lord, you know, quoting Isaiah or Psalms. In Philippians 2, we read that he didn't cling to the equality with God. He didn't grasp that, but he let it go. When he emptied himself, although he remained 100% God, he was still 100% man. And I think that sometimes we forget about that. He emptied himself and gave himself human limitation. Why? So that we could look at his example and say, or not say, I'll never attain that. But we could look at him and say, he was just like us so I can be like him. He was taught, he was trained in the way that he should go. And before we get to that, I just want to, again, just look at her a little bit because she was young. Scholars believe that she was between the ages of 12 and 16 when she had Jesus. Can we just stop and acknowledge the maturity of this young woman? Like, how many 12-year-olds today (laughs) would handle what she handled with that much grace and eloquence and honor and respect. It was a weighted responsibility. 
You know, we again, we could gloss over it. But when an angel appeared in her room and said, you will conceive a child, like the Holy Spirit will come upon you, she acted in more maturity than Zachariah, who was a, a priest. He didn't believe it. She did. The only difference was that she questioned and she said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. But, but we see that she was just so mature. And can I just say, young people, if you're here today, I know that there's some in the room. Don't gloss this off. Don't, you know, just shake it off as like, well, that was Mary. That was then and this is now. Can I just say that you all can be just as mature? That just because society has labeled you a millennial or a Gen Z, just because there's a certain way that society says you need to be, you don't need to be like that. You can walk in the examples of what God has given us through his word. There were young men and women who were used on a daily basis. You think about Joseph. You think about Daniel. You think about the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You think of the disciples. They're often portrayed as these old men. They were teenagers. Don't be scared to just step up your maturity game. I wish that I knew that when I was 12 and 13 because I probably would have tried a little bit harder. And so here, that's your warning. But clearly, Mary and Joseph stood out to the Lord so much so that he knew he could entrust their son with them. And so we're going to go into our passage right now, and we're going to mostly be in Luke, but we will jump to Matthew. Matthew gives us Joseph's account. Luke gives us Mary's account. So we're going to use both today. And so in Luke chapter 2, verses 16 to 20, so we know what's going on. That, that Jesus is going to be born and there's a, a night, there's shepherds and they're guarding their flocks and all of a sudden angels appear and they're singing glory to God in the highest and they're, they're you know, all these things are happening and so we pick up and it says the shepherds, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' stories were astonished. But Mary thought, oh, sorry, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. She kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And then, again, if we go to Luke 2, 41 to 52, it says that every year, again, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. This is where Jesus is in the temple. He stayed behind. They leave, and they're saying, wait, where's Jesus? And they go back, and we'll pick up just for, for time. I don't want to, I don't want, it's short. 30 minutes goes fast. It says, his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching everywhere. And Jesus replied, but why would you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. 
Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew up in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. The first point that I'm going to make is that at such a young age, Mary understood the art of keeping, treasuring, and pondering things in her heart. I don't think it takes a genius to know that in today's society, there is not much that is kept, treasured, or pondered. We are a generation that are on our phones. We post everything. You know, it used to, the saying used to be like, well, she's airing her dirty laundry. Now it's like all laundry. It's the good laundry, the bad laundry, the nice one, the ugly one. We can know everything about everyone at a click of a button. And, and it's kind of sad because we, we know everything, how people are feeling, what people think, what people value, what people believe, how vocal they are, how offensive they are, how offended they are. We can find everything. And I'm not frowning on it. I, you know, my mom, she's funny. I feel like there's these groups of social media, you know, where... Like, there's the younger generation who are really quick on it, and then there's the older generation who they know how to do it, but they're not as quick and savvy as the younger generation. And so my parents are the ones who, like, they talk about a picture. They'll be like, should we post this? Is this good? Should, what should we say? What should the cap? Honey, do you think the caption's good? And, like, they talk about I'm like, just post a picture. But sometimes my mom will call, and she'll say, you haven't posted something about the kids in a long time. You know, you should post it. And I'm like, okay. Okay, which makes me laugh, but I know. We have family far away. This is a way to stay connected. My, you know, I have family in Australia, and they love seeing pictures. I love seeing pictures. But what I am trying to say or what I want to communicate is that we have to be careful. You know, I don't, I I also want to just say that I know that it's Mother's Day, and right now my season is motherhood. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-year-old. But this message isn't just for moms. If you're here and you're like, well, I'm single, or I'm a dad, or I'm past that, don't tune out, because these are biblical principles that will apply to everybody. But I think that sometimes in being proud, we're developing prideful kids, kids who know they're cute, kids who know they're talented, kids who know they're spiritual. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to raise up humble kids, kids who amplify and and just show humility. You know, Mary went through so much. She went through angels and more angels and wise men and shepherds, a star, prophecies. Yet she didn't, she didn't talk about it. She pondered it in her heart, and she thought about them often. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still talking about her life and the life of Jesus. I believe this contributed to Jesus' humility. 
You know, I could just, I could hear it, or I could imagine if, if she hadn't, okay? And, you know, she's in a mom's group, and they're, and they're, you know, talking, did you see what my little John did? Well, well, you should see what Jesus did. My Jesus? Wait a second. And, you know, moms get competitive, right? Like, sometimes I don't think we realize it, but it's like, oh, he's doing this. Well, he did this, and he did it a month earlier than you. Like, where you're like, my kid's good, my kid's bad, and you're it could get really could get could get ugly, you know? But Jesus didn't do that, or Mary rather, didn't do that. She kept things. She pondered them. And I think that this art prepared her for events to come later on. You know, we read in the Bible and we see the full picture today. We have it all, A to Z. But they didn't. They were walking it one step at a time. You know, they were walking it one moment in faith, saying, God, you've entrusted me with this boy. I hope I'm doing everything that I can. I believe that as she did these three things, it also prepared her to recognize when her son was ready to be used. In John 2, 1 to 12, if you want to go there, you can. But it's, it's um, the wedding at Cana. And so you, you've got this, let me, if you don't know the story, they go to this wedding celebration, and the wine runs out. They have no more wine. And... It says in verse 3, the wine supply ran out during the festival, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. You know, um, if we can't learn these things, we can miss out on seeing God's divine purpose and plan for our kids. We can miss it. Mary, though, was ready. She knew. She didn't, you know, and she didn't even question. This is like, again, think, he's the son of God. And he said, woman, my time hasn't come. And she ignored it. And she said, do what he says. Why? Because she saw something. There was something she knew, no, he's ready. Go. Push. And as parents, we need to be looking. We need to pay attention because we could easily miss what God has for our kids as just like, oh, that's so cute. When rather, it's a calling. And we can't do that. You know, Judah, Judah comes home. Maybe you've had kids like this. He gets a toy, okay? And he's so excited for this toy. And then he says, Mom, I really wish that this toy flapped out wings, and when it said, uh, press this button, it would talk. And he takes this toy to a whole new level. And he does that with every toy. Mom, wouldn't it be cool if this toy did this, 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 and that? And one day I said, Judah, I said, Buddy, who knows, maybe one day you're going to be an inventor. Because you have a different thought. You can see what kids like. 
Maybe one day you're going to create toys that kids are going to look at. And when they say, I wish it did that, they're going to push a button and it does do that. You know, we have to be paying attention. So now we're going to move on to Joseph. Dads, you didn't realize that today was going to be a two-for-one message, a Mother's Day and a Father's Day message. But what, um, what I found from Joseph's life was that, and this is my second point, is that he understood the importance of knowing and responding to God's voice. And so we're going to jump to Matthew because four times we see that the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream and he immediately acted. And so Matthew, Matthew 1, the first time is Matthew 1, verses 20 to 25. And he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. And then in 2, chapter 2, verses 13 to 15, it says, After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. And again in verses 19 to 23, when Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in another dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophet had said. He will be called a Nazarene. And so I ask this question, church, do we know the voice of the Lord? Do we know when he's asking us to do something? I read this book once, um, and so this woman who is now a pillar of the faith, she was young, her and her husband had gotten saved, and they didn't know the Lord but they were hungry and they wanted to grow and they wanted to learn. And one night she talks about how she was saying, Lord, I want to hear your voice more. I want to hear your voice and know it. 
And, um, and so one night she was getting ready for bed and this thought came into her mind, go check the light in your car. And she said, it's like, it's late. Okay. That must, I don't know where that thought came from. And again, go check the light in your car. And she kind of dismissed it. And again, she couldn't shake this thought. And finally, she got up and she went. And lo and behold, there was a light left on. And if she would have not listened, that her battery would have died the next morning. You know, I remember a time when I was going to my sister's house. Emily was a little smaller. And I was getting ready to leave, and I had packed the diaper bag, and I had all my things. And as I was going to, like, just walk out, I had this, like, random thought, go get a pair of pants for Emily. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, but I thought, well, you know what, let me just grab one, just in case. Well, as I was driving to my sister's house, Emily threw up, and she got car sick, and she threw up all over her pants, not her top, just her pants. And so when we got to my sister's house, I said, well, Lord, that was you. Thank you. I took her pants off. I put them, I washed them out, and I put a new pair of pants on. You know, hearing the Lord won't start with a big command if we can't be, be obedient to the small ones. I think that sometimes as believers, we want to be where people are who are, you know, who have gone before us. We want to be in that place where we're like, I want that. But we forget that they had to be obedient in the small things before they could be given a bigger responsibility. And this is a principle that applies to all areas. We can't pray for for somebody to be healed of cancer if we can't believe that God's going to touch our finger. But sometimes we want to jump some steps. We want to jump the, you know, we want to jump the grade to say, well, God, I'm going to believe it now. But you have to build that. We have to train our ears to hear things. We have to train our spirit to know. We have to do this just like we would train a muscle. Just like, you know, after I had a baby, it does something to your body. All women will know that. I wish I could look at a video of someone doing an abdominal exercise, do it once, and the next morning wake up with a six-pack. If somebody has found that solution, let me know. It takes time you know, again, if you, can't, if you can't attune your ear, how will God give you a word of knowledge for somebody? This is just a basic principle that we need to start. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. Don't despise those days where you're just learning. It's okay. But I believe that, you know, Joseph, his obedience it wasn't something that all of a sudden it was like, well, Lord, I think today I'm going to be obedient. You're going to give me the son of God. You know what? Okay. You tell me to go to Egypt. I'm going to go. No. It happened long before. He was in tune with the Lord before he was chosen. He had a relationship that caused him to stand out to the Lord. Do we stand out to God? 
Do we stand out to him that he says, yes, I want to, I can entrust you with something greater because I have seen what you've done in the past. We don't need to advertise it. We don't need to show people. We don't need, you know, I feel like there's a sacredness that's been lost where, again, people want everyone to know, you know, I got this prophetic word and they plaster it and the Lord spoke to me here and they show it. Do things in private and let God elevate you to a place of honor and a place where he's going to use you powerfully. How are we doing with hearing his voice? Are we scared, church, to get it wrong so much so that we forget that sometimes we might be getting it right? I feel like sometimes fear can keep us in a place where we don't want to move forward. But, you know, like everything, if we don't start, if you stay stuck in a fearful place, you'll never go beyond God spoke into me, and there have been times where I was sure, and I got it wrong. I was wrong. And there have been others where I knew, I knew without a shadow of a doubt. And things happened the way that I, I felt it in my spirit. You know, there are things that the Lord has still spoken to me, and they haven't come to pass. But I'm not going to waver because I know I know his voice because I've been training my spirit to hear him. Don't delay, church. Young people, don't delay. Don't think like, well, when I'm my mom's age, I've got time, you know. It's okay. Well, maybe after I have kids, you know, because I'm sure when I have kids, I'm going to need to hear the voice of the Lord. You will. (laughs) You will. You know, or when I'm married or I'm successful, when things are just right, maybe at that point I'll be ready to be used in a deeper way. Don't wait. God wants to speak now. And he spoke to all ages. Samuel was a young boy, and he spoke to him. And we have men who were grown and old, and he spoke to them. Just even for parents with little ones. Again, this is my context. So, you know, don't, don't forsake these young years. I think sometimes as parents, we see them and we're like, but all they could do is da-da-ga-ga, you know, and they're not saying much. They don't understand much. They understand more than we think. Train them. This, this is the time more, I, I, I get that more now than ever. This is the time. Don't ever negate when your kids feel like they're hearing from the Lord. We don't do that. When our kids come and they say, Mom, Dad, God spoke to me in a dream, or God showed me something, or he said something to me, we validate it. And, and if it's wrong and we're like, I don't know about unicorns, you know, (laughs) like we just, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't God, but you know, like there has to be a place to make mistakes and you can make mistakes and and be corrected. Don't be scared to be corrected either because correction leads to, it leads to wisdom. It'll teach you. 
You know, if we don't teach them now, you know, they're never going to step out when God gives them a word, a prophetic word for the church or in a tongue and interpretation. When he says, I want to use you in words of knowledge, it'll never happen because if they don't know it, they're going to be completely lost. What's, what's that? We need to teach them from now. Church, we need to yearn to know his voice. Dads, moms, don't blame the salami sandwich. Have you ever had that where you're like, hmm, it must have been what I ate last night that gave me this weird dream? Sometimes it's not. It's the Lord who is speaking very clearly to you, and you have the choice, am I going to obey or am I going to disobey? And my third point is that Jesus understood the role of his parents. Although he was the son of God, he was still raised accordingly. He was raised the way that they knew how, and that was through Old Testament instruction. You know, we forget sometimes that Jesus was, um, he was a baby, which means that he needed to have a diaper changed if they had diapers, cloth ones, I'm sure. At that time, you know, he needed to learn how to walk and crawl. He needed to learn how to talk. And so for me, I believe that he needed to also be trained. You know, when we... Um, Sorry, I just lost my spot. Right. We can't, we can't take things and say, you know, well, where? Oh, that's why. It's over here. <laughs> you know, when we're training our kids, we can't, we can't just say, like, oh, well, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen at some point. It's going gonna, it's gonna to just come. They're going to learn it through example. No, training is something that needs to be done consistently. You know, we have a lot of musicians in this church. If you don't practice, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go off, right? You're not going to, that scale's not going to come as easily if, if it's not kept up. You know, I've been out of Canada now for eight years. I don't speak French that often, except sometimes with my parents, and sometimes if I'm trying to have Justin understand something, I don't want the kids to... I'll just say it in French because it makes me feel better that they don't understand. But there are times where I'm like, oh my goodness, how do you say that word? I forgot. Why? Because it's continuous. We have to continuously do that. And my fear is that if we don't train our kids, they're going to be, they're going to go to everything else. And I fear that sometimes we put so much more focus on things that don't have any eternal value than on things that matter. You know, Jesus, when he was with his parents and they would walk, they walked everywhere, right? So they would walk 
to the next town. They would walk to this place. They were constantly, I heard a sermon where he said, when it, they say that it was always on, it was constantly being murmured under your breath. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lie. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow. It was constant. They were speaking it. Deuteronomy 6 was something that they kept very dear to their heart, where they were instructed talk about it in the morning talk about it when you go down talk about it when you eat supper talk about it in the morning and today because of technology I feel like we're always like you know hold on wait work's calling me hold on I've got this phone call wait wait this text came through and we're we're like always balancing other things and then we squeeze time in we shouldn't be squeezing Jesus into our schedule Ever. If we need to rearrange our schedules, then let's do it. And I get it. I understand that there are things that take our play time. I'm not saying that work is wrong and playing is wrong and TV is wrong and this is wrong. I'm not saying that. But those should never replace the Lord. Because one day, and I've said this before, when we go to heaven, it's not going to be, what did you win? How many competitions did you win, my child? It's going to be, wait, what did you do for me? And, and this is something that we need to, I'm challenged in this, because I don't want to have kids who are just like, you know, they get to a point and it's, well, you know, I mean, you never really emphasize that, mom. Like, I mean, I went to lesson and class and lesson and class and school, and that was, but, like, you didn't really show me that that was more important. That shouldn't be the case. And so Jesus understood that they were his parents, and it says he was obedient to them. We see that he grew in wisdom, favor, with God and people. And I understand that he, again, we can't separate 100% God, but sometimes I think that we really downplay the 100% man part. You know, he grew in knowing the word. He grew in hearing the Father's voice. He spent time, he took time to fast and pray. And I feel like we could probably go on, but time is, is always the challenge. I want to read this quote that I read the other day, and I thought it was fitting to end with. C.S. Lewis stated, children are not distractions from more important things and work. They are the most important work. And so, church, I would challenge you to ask yourself, how am I doing? Where and how can I improve? How can I grow? Because I know that the Lord's going to show you some areas. He's been showing me for the last, well, I feel like six years since Judah. And I, I pray that he continues to show me because I want to continue to grow and please him in not only what I do, but in how I steward the gifts that he has given me. Children are a gift from God. 
So let's do the best that we can in seeing them grow. Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that this message encouraged and inspired you in your journey with Christ. For more information, you can visit our website at th.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Tower Hill NH. To give online, you can go to th.church/giving. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.